This is my PhD experience podcast, the podcast devoted to graduate students, aspiring students, early career researchers interested in learning tips to help them get hired in graduate school and excel as a researcher. I am your host, Anthony. Today's guest is a good friend of mine. Uh, I've known him now for, uh, I think, about three to four years. Um, and I'm quite impressed with his uh, record, both in terms of the nature of research he does. I'm sure he's going to probably share a little bit about that. And, uh, and I'm, I'm a big fan of, of his work. So join me in welcoming Dr. Emeka. Good to have you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh... Anthony, for having me. For for the sake of our listeners, kindly introduce yourself. Okay, my name is Emeka Thaddeus Njoku. I'm a Newton International Fellow of the British Academy and the Royal Society. I'm currently hosted at the University of Birmingham, United Kingdom. So I'm currently at the Department of International Development. So yeah, that's... um, yeah, and I'm a political scientist. I, I do research specifically on the intersections between counterterrorism policies and civil society organizations. My PhD was, uh, has a regional focus on Africa, particularly Nigeria. And so, but now I have moved beyond uh, the focus of Nigeria and looking at, looking at these same issues in a comparative lens, and particularly trying to examine counterterrorism financing and how that um, influenced states Muslim community relations in the United Kingdom and Nigeria. Wow, 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 wow. It's been quite a journey, you know, but again, I want you to, um, you know, break this journey down to bits because it takes a lot to um, do your PhD in Nigeria and then be where you are today. And I'm sure that's probably one of the reasons why by popular demand, people are asking, bring a maker to this podcast. So I'm sure people are keen and fascinated about your journey and about your story. You know, people believe that you probably need to study abroad to be able to get to where you are. But yeah, here you are, you studied in Nigeria and, uh, and you're able to hold your grants anywhere in the world. So anywhere that is a scholar in the world, <laughs> you are among, I mean, because, because of the work we've done and, 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 and the products are out there for anyone to see. Even in terms of the quality uh, of the work out there, you know, it stood out. So, so please break down the journey. What was your key motivation to starting a PhD? What was your main motivation? Okay, uh, thank you so much for your kind words about my scholarship. Um, I think. Uh, growing up, like uh, from when I was very young, I've always had this quest for, for knowledge. I mean, I've always desired, I mean, I remember, I recall when I was in primary school, I was already thinking ahead, like I was thinking of, you know, I wrote somewhere in a diary that I want to become a professor. I, I can't remember, wow. but wow. Oh, yeah, in primary school, <laughs> you yeah. can you imagine that. And so, yeah, I read a lot at that time. I, th- I thought I was going to be, a, um, um, I was going to write um, fiction, you know? So I read so many novels and I thought I was going to be a writer. And so, yeah, I was reading so, so many novels and I did literature in English. So that's more like uh, also helped to inspire that line of thinking. So yes, the quest, the quest for knowledge, you know, influenced me or, I mean, led me to this point. But I think when I finished uh, secondary school, I, um, I, I didn't really know specifically, even though I said I wanted to be a writer, but I wasn't really very sure, particularly on what, what area I wanted to do. But at some point, I decided that it was going to be law. So there's this, you know, uh, effort to study law, roots jam and stuff like that, uh, jam and the... Um, yeah, uh, your work, jam, and but I didn't. I wasn't able to get law. I didn't uh, meet the cutoff, you know, to study law, and so I settled for political science. And funny enough, I didn't know about political science. I never knew like a course like political science is said prior to <laughs> period. 
Say, uh, I mean, because if you don't get law at that time, I don't know about now, you're most likely going to settle for political science or other cognitive discipline or uh, course. And so, yeah, so I had to settle. In fact, if you ask many of the people who studied political science, they actually, their first choice was law. And so, yes, I settled for political science. And, and because um, as of that time, it was the, I mean, we, uh, we had the 9-11 terrorist attack in the US, you know, I, I watched the video, I watched the, um, how those um, uh, terrorists hi uh, hijacked the plane and crashed the World Trade Center. And so in class, while they uh, were teaching certain courses like international politics or foreign policy, they often try to compare Nigeria with, with the Western world, like the US, the UK. And the issue, issue of terrorism at, at that time wasn't as it is now, but it was, it was an issue that was discussed and people were often blaming the US foreign policy. You know? And so that influenced me into writing my dissertation on Nigerians foreign policy, uh, the dissertation uh, um, or what they call long essay at the undergraduate level. And so, yes, I, when I finished in 2005, I decided to go for my, okay, I wanted to work. I felt first I needed to work, have experience and come for master's degree, but I, I did such a job in Nigeria and there was none, basically. And um, I had to go for my master. My dad was telling me go to go for your master's. And so I had to go for my master's and that was how I applied for a master's in political science at the University of Ibad. And I really, I'm, I mean, I'm happy that I, I mean, that I was, um, I was given admission at the university because I was exposed to a whole lot of uh, things, particularly how to do um, uh, research and how to, to a large extent write. And so during my master's degree, I also continued, I mean, in the line, I, uh, more like I studied uh, terrorism now. Now I started studying terrorism. And uh, so I did my master's in, it was titled uh, Terrorism and the United Nations System. So yeah, and it was one of my supervisors, Dr. Olajide Akonji, who supervised me. And I really like enjoyed the guidance that he gave during my master's. He was very patient. He was very understanding. And so I liked the conversation that we had during this process. And so there were a lot of things, mistake I made. He corrected, he was patient, he understood, he corrected because me, some of the, some of the, I didn't really know so much about writing. And so I made lots of mistakes, which he understood. And when he saw that it was not intentional, it was just more like, I didn't know what to do. So he was patient and he, you know, you know guy, uh, me provided that guidance. And I was in that process, I learned quite a bit of, I mean, little things, not all, but basic things in terms of research. And I also got to even understand the whole concept of plagiarism, which is most um, young writers don't know about, because if you're coming from certain places, you don't have their basic knowledge about right things that you do not, lines that you don't cross. And so I got to learn those things during my master's and that helped a lot. So. When the idea, I mean, as soon as I was at the edge of, I mean, at the end of completing the master's degree, I knew at that point I wanted to go further for a PhD. I wasn't ready to go back and start looking for jobs or so. I said, now that I'm here, let me further and you know, complete this process. And so, yes, naturally I chose the same supervisor for my PhD. And so he, um, and so yeah, the process started and it was, um, it was an interesting experience. I don't know if I should uh, stop now or continue. No, I think you should continue. You should tell us about the interesting experience. I know, you know, there are two sides. So sorry, there are, there are, there are both interesting and non-interesting experience. Whereas you can also yeah. do the non-interesting experience <laughs> for the patient. Okay, okay. Yeah, it was, it, it was interesting uh, when, um, the, when I started a PhD because I thought at that time that I have mastered the act of writing, but I, I have not because it's a different ball game when you're doing a master's and when you're writing a thesis, an original idea, an idea that is original to you. So it requires more uh, knowledge, more um, 
uh, information, more reading. And I think one of the things I did first, although I had challenges to be sure, because I didn't know so many, uh, some of the things, although I have a supervisor that was understanding, but at the time when I started, he had a, an opportunity of traveling for a, a research program or some uh, uh, research program or so, but that's, well, I think when he came back, um, the research, you know, more like kicked off fully, you know, but during that period, I was reading, due to the period it was, I was reading. I had, you know, I told you I did my master's in terrorism studies. So I started reading the canonical works on terrorism studies long before the PhD. So I read, uh, uh, I read the literature on religion and politics. Because if you want to understand terrorism, you have to study religion itself. Because in some ways, when you talk about terrorism, although there are controversies in terms of its roots from religion, because some would argue that terrorists are not, uh, are not religious clerics, but secular intelligentsia who seek power in this world. So they are more like politicians, not necessarily, but they use religion as an instrument to weaponize certain concepts within religion, certain sacred texts or certain uh, concept within the sacred text to advance their political agenda. And so, yeah, but of course, the fact that they use religion also means that we have to understand religion. And so I read canonical works of Martin um, Alex Smith, and uh, for, we, uh, for Wilkinson, uh, I mean, for those who are studying terrorism, maybe they should pick up, pick up from all of these. I also read the work of Bruce Hoffman, and various other key scholars who had started studying terrorism long before 9-11. And so, yeah, because terrorism, terrorism has a long history beyond 9-11. So there's this overemphasis of 9-11 as the temporal marker for terrorism, but it's not true. And so most people are, when they study terrorism, they are largely a historical, they, they, they don't go back beyond that time. And, but because I had studied, I started, started studying terrorism for masters, I read, a whole lot of texts. And I, I'm, I'm very happy and I thank God I did that because that helped to set the foundation for my PhD research. And so when I started the PhD, I continued you know, reading and reading. And you know that um, in we, despite you know, having a supervisor who is also a patient and understanding or so, you still need a platform where you need to acquire more skills in terms of your supervisor has a lot of other uh, students that he's supervising. So, you know, these are structural challenges. He also has several, up to like 50, because they have distance learning, they have, so they have several people supervising. So, and he's not going to just be at your beck and call. So, it means that you would have to attend workshops, attend a symposium, or symposium, attend a conference. Not, I wasn't keen about conferences yet. So I was more like attending workshops. And those workshops are skill building workshops, learning how to write, understanding what is literature review. How do you articulate your argument in a problem statement? You know, how to uh, uh, understanding research methods. Some of these things I thought I knew, and I, I, I thought I had a good grasp of it during my master's, but no. So I did not, at the time, I realized that there were still things that I needed to study in, 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 as regards with the research process. And so, yes, I was attending local workshops that was organized by the university and other ones. So I was ensuring, I, I ensured rather that I attended these workshops to you know, try to, even at that, it wasn't still, clear to me what exactly, I mean, I was reading, how do I make that level of, um, how do I be critical in terms of um, the ideas that, I'm, that I've been reading so far? How do I bring them all together? You know, so yeah, and um, that was a challenge. And that, that I think is a challenge for a lot of PhDs, even though you are, you are you're reading the literature. I read, like I read so much, I remember when I was leaving, I, I packed all the, the uh, articles that I read. I mean, they filled various galawas go bags, like literally. Wow. wow. Yes, literally. Because I was following the conversation. Because when you read the literature, you, you understand 
that even some ideas are polar ideas or at least are polarized between various groups of scholars. And you have to follow the trend of conversation. You have to be on top of the literature. There are no two ways to read. There is no shortcut. You would have to read and read to be on top of the literature. So I was following the conversation between two schools of thought, the critical scholars on ter of terrorism studies and the mainstream scholars. So they, you know, I was following that conversation. I, so that, that made me, I read so many, any work that comes out, I read, I uh, mean, so many texts. And so, but knowing the literature, writing that, writing it down or articulating your arguments, the different kinds of that you need to acquire that skill. And so I attended workshop and so, and with the little knowledge I had, I applied for, because then they were advertising for the Social Science Research Council and I applied in 2014. But to be fair, I wasn't really so much as successful prior to 2014. So I, I was planning to drop out of the program because, okay, two things. One was finance, one was finance and the other was, um, you know, trying so hard to be able to understand, even when you are taught, even when your supervisor tell you, this is how you go about it. You still need more and more training to be able to understand the nitty gritty of writing. So yeah, unfortunately, I applied for that Social Science Research Council Next Generation uh, Fellowship. It's called a doctoral dissertation proposal fellowship of the Social Science Research Council. And with the little knowledge I had acquired and with conversation with colleagues, that's one thing that uh, PhD should, uh, should note. You should have a group of young peers doing who are also studying PhD, particularly if you are in the social sciences and the arts, have friends that are in the arts, social sciences too and have conversation with their share ideas, knowledge of, about what they have uh, you know, gathered so far. And I remember Kudus, I remember when I first met, met Kudus in, in Kudus Adebayo, Dr. Kudus Adebayo in the department of, uh, in the international, I mean, African studies institute in, at the University of Ibadan. I met him in, during one workshop in, in, um, in, in Ibadan. And so from there, we, are, we have been more like, more like what, what how do I define it? Peer-to-peer -peer mentoring, like peer mentoring, right? And so we so anything I I mean any of the things that we picked up during the process, we share them together. If I write anything, I give it to him to help me read, and he would raise issues. He also shares his, his work with me. And, and so that was, that is one thing PhD students should note. You don't isolate yourself from your peers, but like those ones that are very sad or hardworking. So always share your work. Don't focus essentially on your supervisor. No, don't do that. Focus, share your work with your peers. Talk to uh, senior colleagues. Try to get their perspective. Try to get as much views about the issue. So like I said, when during that 2014, I managed to write a proposal. What I did, again, was to contact some of the leading scholars in the field. I had to do that because I had this idea. I have discussed with people within the university and they said, oh, that seemed like a good one. And so I, I had to discuss with the leading scholars in that field. And for you to do that as a PhD, you must have engaged their, engaged their works. And then once you do that, you, you, if you write them, you would let them know that, oh, I, I like this part of your work, what, how you made this argument. And I'm doing this type of research I was hoping to get your input about, I did that. And I got uh, responses from these scholars. We have, I got responses from leading scholars in terrorism studies and leading scho pioneering scholars in, scholars examining the intersection between counterterrorism and civil society. So I got that, um, you know, response and they told me about the, my work and uh, how they liked it and the, the, my, the, the originality of my idea and the methods that I've chosen to do it, how at those levels, those are, I mean, levels of contribution that my research would make to the literature. So at that point, I had confidence in my, I had this confidence in my research. So yes, that was the point I, I started with, you know, and so yeah, I got this Social Science Research Council, and I went, and how it is organized is that you attend several workshops 
in different parts of Africa, they organize. And in those workshops, you have a thematic and cohort group. So within those workshops, you are also giving the works of your peers to review. You have a, a leading scholar in the social sciences that will be the workshop leader that will moderate the conversation and also make inputs about your work, you know, you know try to help you to, to three things, your problem statement, your literature review, and your method, uh, your research methods, they all must, you know, in some way interconnect. So that you're, you're, you're writing the literature, you're making an argument, it has, you have to show from that argument how your work differs from extant conversations in the field and what is the significance of this work, you know? So these, you have to articulate it. And the methods that you have chosen how relevant or appropriate is that method to that research that you want, that idea that you want to investigate or things like that. And yeah, like I really love the workshop. I mean, they would ask you, what are we going to learn from this work that we do not already know? And why is it worth knowing? This question, PhDs should take note. If you are engaging in any research, you're reading the literature, you're writing your thesis, what are we going to learn that we do not already know? And why is it important? Why do we have to know it? How do we know that the methods that you have chosen is the right one for that particular research idea? So yes, yeah, so yeah, we received all these levels of training and it really shaped my research, I must confess. After several workshops, the next year I applied for the uh, dissertation, research, uh, dissertation Research Fellowship, which is more like providing you funds to go for field work and also attend workshops. And I also got that fellowship. And so all the, my, my experience with the Social Science Research Council Next Generation Fellowship was more like a, it changed the trajectory of my research positively, you know, changed and influenced my research in many ways. Because I, at that point, I began to understand certain issues or skills of writing, you know? It, yeah, it was, I wouldn't say at that point it was like, I've known everything, no, but at least I have ideas on how to go about it. And so, yeah, I did. And um, towards, the end of, towards the end of my um, PhD or when I had finished writing my thesis, I started submitting my work for conference. That's the point I started going for conferences. And so, and one of the things that PhDs should know, do not just go to any conference. They are important too, they are, they are, they are good, but go to the, a conference of scholars in your field. It's very important. Mm -hmm. Why it is good to go to generalist conference like political science or whatever, it's also very important to go to co a conference of scholars in your field so that when you're presenting your research, you are sitting, you, I remember in, when I went for a conference in Sweden, I went, I came here in, uh, to the UK in 2016 for another workshop, uh, yeah, more like a conference at King's College. And I, I went for a conference, International Society for Tech Sector Research, which is the research I did. I remember when I was presenting my paper, at the end of the presentation, the, some scholars came to me and they told me, I am so so person that you cited. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't know them one or why. I always know they are. They I'm so surprised that you cited. I'm so surprised that you cited. I liked your research. I mean, I like your research. I like the methods you're choosing. And that, like, I was like, really? You're... <laughs> yeah. So it was, it was mind-blowing. And I saw these scholars in the field, like Mark Seidel, and I established strong network because it didn't, the conversation didn't end there. Long after the conference, up to today, I still communicate to some of these scholars and they respond. Mm. They see my works and they, they congratulate me. You know, so yeah, you see that it's important because these are more like the literatures themselves in person you're having that conversation with. And so if you're saying something that is not original, they would easily identify it and raise that. Mm. So at that point, at least you would know. So, but if you are doing an excellent work, they would also sanction, um, give you that more like that approval that, oh, this is superb. And that builds your confidence in terms of the research that you're doing. And so, yeah, I think that was um, 
more like the story, right? I think maybe I should stop here. And you no, I think, I think, I think, thank you very much. Um, your story is so interesting um, that I felt like, okay, let me just allow you to keep going on. And of course, your story is original to you <laughs> and uh, it's easy for you to tell. Not even much of my question would have elicited all these uh, uh, areas that you touched on. And, and you spoke to it, a number of issues, the importance of reading, reading very well, reading widely. And um, because uh, when you have good knowledge, it's sort of abundance of what you've um, read over the years that you can then write something that is truly original yeah. or that, that make contribution. Um, and, um, and then again, you know, even listeners could begin to understand much of your sources and, uh, the, 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 and, and, and the tenacity and hard work that made you uh, successful, you know, to, to, that, to that large extent. Um, no, no. And then you, 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 another touching thing that you touched on was the, the challenges you faced initially that nearly made you quit. And, um, but, but maybe, just maybe, I want to follow up on that particular point. Okay. What, what, what would you say was the defining moment that ultimately changed your mind from quitting the, the, the program? Honestly, when I yeah, what was the defining moment? The defining moment was, ah, I can't remember the specific date, but it was, I remember it was at night by 9 p.m. Mm. when I got the doctoral proposal dissertation fellowship of the Social Science Research Council. I knew, okay, I think there's something here. Yeah, <laughs> I see, I see, I see. So thanks, thanks. I, I thanks to SSRC. <laughs> Yeah, the social science SSRC. At that point, I said, because there's, there's this thing about research, confidence, believing, like knowing that what you are doing is actually worthwhile. Mm. I, I don't know, for me, mm. for me, that's, that is key. Mm. So but I, I needed to be sure that I'm doing something worthwhile, something relevant, something important. So I'm actually making a contribution to the literature. Mm. And so... When you win fellowships like that, it shows potential that, oh, there might be something. So mm. you, it's more like you're showing potentials that, yes, you have something. And I must warn, the fact that you, have, uh, you win uh, a fellowship does not mean you're already there. Mm. Some people get carried away. Mm. Mm. Some people use that as the only criteria to, to measure success in in, in, in research or a research career, it is wrong. What fellowship usually do is to say, to say particularly at that doctoral level, that you have potentials mm. and that your work has certain potentials of making contribution. Some people get carried away to believe that they are there and they stop learning. Mm. No, they should not do that. They should not make that mistake because I realized after, like I told you, I got that, you know, I was very happy because number one, there was fun. Yeah, I had the money to do the PhD because I was self-funding myself when I started. And I mean, I felt this is not working. I can't continue like this. Mm. Um, you, know, you know how it is in Nigeria. You have to feed, you have to pay rent, you have to pay school fees and you have to do research. So, but when I got that, okay, I, I was, it wasn't just the fact because of the money. It was also the confidence of the, the giving me that belief that yes, um, there's something about there's something about this research, you know. So I should, you know, move ahead, and so I did. And so, but I think I nearly I got carried away by the euphoria of winning fellowship. Mm. And how did that happen? I remember I went towards the end of my PhD. I wrote two papers. One was the politics of conviviality. And the other one was on the, uh, the state and the secretization of civil society organization. And so in that first paper, I wrote it, it was when I presented uh, in Sweden at the conference in Sweden, and we were introduced to the, uh, to the society or the, uh, um, the organization's journal, which is one of the top journals in the field. So we were introduced to it and so, my aim was to submit there. And the second paper I submitted to um, uh, a, an application was this, um, 
uh, African Politics Conference book in the US, it was, I, it was rejected. So it was not a rejected paper. I, I was surprised. How would my paper be rejected by a yeah, workshop like that? Like <laughs> it kind of hurt my ego. And so what I did, after some time, I came back to that paper and I read it again. And I was shocked. Like, Emeka, are you crazy? Why would you write this rubbish? Mm. Like, I am my greatest critic. I said, why would you write all this? I used, I remember one of my friends who saw the work and said, I use red pen to write on your own paper like this. I said, this is nonsense. But at that point, I realized that I was getting carried away. Mm. I said, no, I must focus now. Come back. I mean, come back to assume you've never won anything. And so, yeah, I started reading more. And, you know, that was where that discipline came in, you know, you know, I read more, I didn't stop reading, not just the, uh, re, uh, the literature, but also methods of writing, research methods, and also how to write. So I was reading a whole lot about research. And so, yeah, it was, it was defining. I mean, today I, I don't regret because. Mm, yes, I mean, please continue your thoughts, please. Yeah, so I don't regret it because those years shaped positively shaped my research today. Mm. So yes, and many of the things I learned during those times, I still have them. Like, mm. they are still with me, you know? So they've not, um, they're still there. So they've not disappeared or something. Mm. And yeah. No, no, no. Uh, th thank you for sharing, sharing your, your, your experience because um, it's also a learning, learning phase for me as well because I mentor people. Um, and um, I just hope that I will have uh, even way more patience <laughs> because oftentimes you see, oh, I've taught you this, probably have that thought in your mind that maybe they should, uh, they should turn to professors immediately, but maybe yeah. it takes yeah. a bit of time to actually master writing. And it's just like you also said, it's something that you continue to learn and learn and learn and learn and learn. Um, yeah, to, 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 to much extent. Maybe just to move now um, briefly away from from the PhD phase and talk briefly about your post PhD phase. Because I, you know, as you said previously, winning one doesn't mean that you're already there. You, you know, yeah. in fact, the reward of work in, in this our world of research is even more work, right? The more you do, the more the expectation, you said the bar higher and then higher and higher, people expect even more from you. So, and uh, I know that uh, for many early career researchers, uh, being able to, um, conquer the imposter syndrome and being able to at least now get some of the reward for their efforts is also one thing they keen about. But for you, you know, you've won, you know, several fellowship post PhD. And I felt like, um, even though I, I, I usually ask people as um, the journey, the PhD journey really, really, really worth it for them. But I know for you, you know, even from the way you spoke, I know that it's been, it's been really worthwhile for you. Perhaps also maybe you want to touch briefly on your PhD, post-PhD experience and some of the um, critical success factors for you and some of perhaps, again, touch a little bit on some of the challenges you probably have also experienced or encountered post-PhD phase and now you overcame uh, those challenges. Those are like two loaded questions. <laughs> I yeah. want to reflect briefly on your post-PhD phase. What you consider to be some of the ingredients for your successes, as well as uh, some of the challenges you've had to overcome? First things first, most uh, young PhDs make mistake of, once they finish uh, their PhD, they are uh, applying for postdoc. No, you have to show, particularly if you've won, even whether you've won fellowship or not, you have to produce papers from that uh, PhD thesis your thesis should contribute. And of course, your quality of your research is also very important. And that would define where your, paper, your research would appear in terms of the journal where it would appear. So I was, um, how do I put it? I was, I am ambitious in terms of when it comes to research. And so the first place I submitted my work was the, um, the one of the, it was, it is the leading, the second leading journal in the field of third sector civil society studies. And I submitted my paper there. 
So, so, so I remember a friend of mine, Canadian, was telling me, Mecca, you are, you are bold. Like, I like you, like you submitted your paper there. Like, <laughs> but I don't care. So I submitted it there. And I remember the day the first review, I was asked to revise and resubmit came <laughs> when it came it was <laughs> i ran into the toilet <laughs> I, I was thinking how do i go about this but i in thinking about it now i would encourage phds don't aim for this hmm. it's important because you're going to define your 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 research going forward Nobody is going to come back and beat you for, for submitting a paper in a journal. The least that would happen is that you get text rejected. Mm. And the least or worse still, I wouldn't say worse, the better still, you get comments from either the editor, editor, or if it goes to RR, you get comments from this, you get to learn. That is the learning. That is, that, you know, you see that, you would not get that in a class. Mm. You're going to learn that by experience and so yes i learned that i submitted there i saw the review i consulted friends i remember i consulted i remember even consulting you too because you are good in statistics mm -hmm. and and yeah i consulted friends because i was using mixed method both qual and quant and you have to be strong in using those how you mix it well i remember mm -hmm. in the particular paper they said you have to mix <laughs> <laughs> you have to be you have to define the type of mixed method you're doing mm. and you have to tell us if it's going to be strong both on the qual and the quant if they are equally strong or uh, quant is stronger than qual whatever you have to define and you have to mix it well <laughs> and so yeah because it, and also in the process imagine if a reviewer says that you need to define what type of mixed method you're using you still have to go back and read more Mm -hmm. about metal mm. alone so yes that is the process of learning that i never stopped so mm. all of that helped me the process was difficult i must confess it's not easy to publish in leading journals you are going to face that difficulties that symposium uh, imposter syndrome mm. and a lot of self-doubts and stuff like that but yeah i did i had all that but I believed somewhere that I can do it, and I did. And yeah, I was able to publish in that journal. I mean, the work came out and it was like, yes, it was worth it, you know? Mm. And I did not stop. I sent my work to leading to the number one journal in terrorism studies. I got that published. And you know, the more, the higher or the longer you go ahead with the process, the easier it becomes. Mm. Because by then, you are already picking a lot of things during that process. So you are picking things, and so the easier it becomes. So yeah, I published, and so it, that's how it all started. And of course, I was consulting people too. I mm. asked questions after when I get review. I remember many times I consulted you in mm. uh, the one that got published uh, uh, in 2021. I, I wrote that paper in 2016. Mm. So it took years, it took years to get it from submitting to publication, but you have to be patient still. Mm. Go through those process because it's not going to be like that every time. Mm. The fact mm. that you spend three years in one doesn't mean that you spend that. No, no, no. Just go through that process, pick everything, try to learn, and don't make mistake twice. Once you learn this process, don't try to repeat that. Always go back to those papers that you've published to read read the methods, read how you, 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 the way you write, so you don't forget the next paper you're submitting. And so, yes, all of that helped to shape my research. And so, I've, uh, fortunately for me, I have had several publications in leading journals in the field. I aim for the top journals in my field. And so, yeah, that then influenced my PhD and my postdoc, because number one, I had started applying for postdoc long before I graduated or finished my PhD. Mm. Although many of the postdoctoral uh, post fellowship would, some of them would want somebody who had finished. I don't know. Some of them, I mean, they have various requirements, but I mean, I was applying and I was learning things, you know, applying. And in that process, I was 
learning all of, all of those things. I was still writing and publishing. So PhDs, once you are done with your PhD, ensure that you publish and make, make sure at least you have one or two in leading journals in your field. That would go a long way to define if or to tell or to give you more like open the door for a postdoctoral fellowship. Hmm. People should not expect that because they have a PhD, then a postdoctoral fellowship is automatically given that it's, it's theirs for the taking. No, hmm. it's a research program. Hmm. And before you are given, you have to demonstrate that you have that capacity to do research at that level. Mm. And usually your postdoctoral research is often an expansion of your PhD. So you're going to be telling your, the selection committee that this is what I did for my PhD. And this is where I have published the findings of my research. Or the, and this is how my research is contributing to society, you know, and has contributed to knowledge and practice, you know, in terms of policy, you know. And so justifying the reason why they have no, no choice but to give you that postdoctoral fellowship because this is research money and the funders would have to account for it you know so mm -hmm. and in accounting for it they would ask to see the, the output of that of the program so yeah and so people should understand that you must first publish and perish is still very much relevant in the academia whether we like it or we don't whether we i mean that's what i met in that in, in in the process and so with that in mind, I ensure that as much as I can, I know it's difficult. I know people can face all kinds of challenges. I know challenges are context specific, but you should try as much as you can, consult widely, ensure that you publish in leading journals because it will set the tone of, uh, for you going forward in terms of getting a postdoctoral fellowship. Hmm. And I think that I mean, was great that helped to to, to set the tone for uh, postdoctoral fellowships. And I applied for the American Council of Learning Societies as soon as I finished my uh, PhD and got that one. So I started the research. Luckily for me, because I didn't stop researching after my PhD, I was still going back to the field. Hmm. I went to the field in 2015 for my PhD. I went back to the field in 2018. I went back to the field in 2019. Hmm. So I didn't stop. So I was gathering data. And one of the data I gathered was what I also used to apply for the ACLS fellowship because no, sometimes you will show uh, the selection committee that you have actually done preliminary work on this. Mm. And this is what you discovered. So you want to investigate this. You're trying to justify why you think they should give you this and why you think there's something there's something important about this research. Mm. And so yes, I can stop. So that shaped my. I mean, have to define how I, the, the proposal I applied for the American Council of Learning Society's African Humanities Program. And yes, uh, fortunately, I got that one and I went to the field. And, and because I had started a research on, it was it now this particular research involves human subjects. And so I had to write certain ex, uh, exams, certifications, mm. to be able to engage in that research that involves human subjects. And so when I started ACLS, I already had the certification. And the SLS project requires human subjects. So it was easy for me to just apply directly with all my certification at the Ministry of uh, Health in Abuja for ethical clearance to go about that research. So that helped a lot. Do not stop researching. Do not stop reading. Hmm. Keep doing it. Don't stop. Because unless you have chosen to uh, another career entirely, if you want to be in the academia, you can't stop reading. If you come here, if you come to the UK now, you would, if you see the materials that I'm reading, it would seem as if I'm just starting the PhD afresh. Mm. So I still read like I don't know anything about what I'm doing. So I still read that way. I still sometimes I reread materials that I've read in the past. So I still read them again, you know, try to make sense of it. And okay, there's something I also omitted in discussion about the PhD. When you get your data, read your print it out. I mean, if it's a survey. Analyze it descriptively and begin to read it. Look at it. Try to make sense of it because you have the literature. You know what is the, the uh, conversation. You, you have gone to the field. I mean, you've gathered data. Go back to it every time and look at it and try to understand how your work will contribute to diverse, because my work is multidisciplinary, interdisciplinary. So how it contributes to other conversation going on in several fields that are related. It, mm. it's, well, it's, I mean, yeah, so I, I did that. And, and so you will see that I've published in civil society studies, development studies, terrorism studies. Mm. Yeah, see, I, you, and broader security studies. 
you will see that. And even recently, based on the ACLS, American Council of Lens Society's African Humanities Program, I've had publications. And like I said earlier, the more you are in this uh, game, the easier, I mean, largely, to a large extent, the easier it becomes in terms of writing and publishing. Right? I mean, the papers I wrote, I wrote five papers, uh, like I told you earlier, five papers from my, my ACLS research. And one has been accepted in the lead, number one journal in international relations. Hmm. Yes, one has received, uh, two have received revised and resubmitted minor, like one was like very minor, the other one was a little bit more, but still my issues that can be addressed quickly. Mm. So yes, and two are under review. Mm. And the ideas are still there. I have the empirical material. I still, I'll still go back to it and read more and try to make more sense out of it. So mm. yes, that, that helped a great deal. Mm. Now, um, it seemed like a conversation I've been about read, work out, learn, 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 learn. So, you know, some people may ask, is there a time for fun at all? How do we make our get to have fun? <laughs> I mean, that's important for your mental health, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> I think it's how you, it depends on how you define fun. <laughs> Some people, <laughs> yeah, I think it's important that you try to take a break. Mm. You know, people are different in terms of how they read. So it's also important to have friends, people mm. around that friends of like minds that you can always chat with, that you can also always visit, you know, go mm. out. Mm. One of the things that helps to contribute in helping, I mean, being in a, in a social group like church and stuff like that, and also other, other uh, social group, like I play tennis, mm. you know? Mm. And when we, I remember those times when we were having challenges in PhD, we go play tennis, we mm. talk about it. Maybe sometimes we just come there and we just begin to pour because I have a friend in engineering. Mm. I have another friend in mathematics mm. and uh, some other guys that will sit and talk about the challenges that we face. But by talking about it, we get some form of relief. And afterwards, we play tennis and let... <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. So, so guys, guys, remember to have fun. Uh, it's important yeah. to work hard and read and try to be the best version of yourself. But it's also important to enjoy a little as well. Um, again, do you have any final words? It's been an no. interesting journey. <laughs> to just having this conversation. <laughs> yeah, any final words? Yeah, well, uh, final words in terms of this interview. Okay. Mm. Yeah, like I said. Um, um, you cannot take away the rigor mm. that is in research. There is no shortcut. Mm. There is really no shortcut mm. in the process, in research process. So at every point, in every stage in your research, you must be on top of the literature. If you're doing a multidisciplinary research, it means that you must be on top of the literature of several conversations. Mm. Mm. that will go a long way to help. Mm. Being on top of knowing the state of the knowledge in the field would help you to reflect over and over and come up with new ways, new ideas, critique extant ones and issues like that. I remember for the, uh, the ACLS fellowship, I was following a particular conversation in that journal, the uh, International Affairs. Mm. So when I got the empirical materials, the interviews, and I saw certain level of consistency in the responses, I knew immediately where I was going to send out the first paper. I knew the first paper that I would write. I knew immediately where I was going to send it. So, but that is premised on being on top of the literature. Mm. Mm. You must you must be abreast of the state of knowledge in the field. And you, there's no shortcut. People try to find shortcuts. So I've seen a lot of people who come to me for advice and they are looking for shortcut to finish their PhD. No, but if you are coming to the UK, before you apply, make sure you have a proposal. You have taken enough time to read and have a good proposal. Not when you are here and you're trying to, no, that will not help. So yeah, there is no shortcut to success in the academia. It's, it's, it's rigorous and you have to go through that process for you to become 
the very best. And that would define, like, although I didn't mention the part where expanding my research, being on top of the literature, expanding my research also get, got me the Newton Interna uh, International Fellowship. It was more like an expansion of a part of my research. And that was because if, if, when I was making the case for that particular research, I, had, I told, I wrote in the proposal, I have done this work, and this is the gap I identified mm. in this work. I didn't know these areas. Mm. So these are the areas that I think is important we need to expand on. Mm. So I built on my PhD thesis for the Newton International Fellowship, which is the postdoctoral fellowship. And so, yes, that was defined. It was really defining. So it's important because if I hadn't published, how do I make a case that there's something about this that I need to, how do my case wouldn't be as strong as it's, I mean, so yeah, that's, that's why you have to be on top of the literature. You have to keep reflecting over what you, your research. You don't stop. You don't stop. You don't. Thank you very much for your honesty for, I'm sure there are a lot of nuggets there for, for our listeners and I'm sure this conversation will continue. Um, so guys, if you are interested in terrorism, civil society organizations, even religion, development, please contact my guest. Uh, I'm sure she is, is, he has a lot more <laughs> to share with you and uh, he might be able to guide you. So thank you. It's been an interesting conversation. In fact, I feel like we should do for another one hour, but again, you know, we have to also keep the conversation really short. Um, so for, for listeners not to um, be overwhelmed with many information, but again, uh, too many information, but again, um, yeah, maybe maybe some other time we can, we can come and, you know, now drill down to certain aspects specific yeah. issue, you know, because this one now is to speak broadly about the whole experience. And I one that is probably too short to, to, to cover everything. Um, so thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for honoring the invitation for, you know, finding time out of your busy schedule to, to do this recording. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you for having me. I really enjoyed this conversation. It helped me to reflect, I mean, go back in time. So yes, I really wish uh, uh, PhDs the very best in their endeavors in trying to you know, navigate the murky waters of the academia. Mm, thank you.